Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker, and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women, and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. Writing your own story is literally a rite of passage, especially in today's celebrity culture. And as the festive season approaches, the bookshop shelves are already heaving with kiss and tells and tales of overcoming adversity on the road to fame and fortune. It feels like everybody has a book in them these days. At Funny Women, we fully support female-specific book awards like the Women's Prize for Fiction and the Comedy Women in Print, which celebrate great writers just as we promote new performers and creators with our own awards. Now, this is how this episode came about, as I was with my two guests, Morwenna Lohman and Samantha Baines at the Comedy Women in Print Awards last week. Hello, both of you. Nice to see you again. Hello, hello, how are you? It was a great night, wasn't it, at the Groucho last week? Yes, I'm looking slightly less snazzy now, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was a brilliant night. Snazzy and I remember sweaty. It was very hot and very crowded, but there you go. That's what you have to do at these awards. My first guest is literary agent Morwenna Lohman, who works with Bev James Management, best known for representing a diverse range of clients, including Joe Wicks, Bosch, Holly Tucker, Dr. Caroline Hirons, and the late Captain Sir Tom Moore and his family. Before taking on this most recent role, Morwenna has already notched up her considerable publishing credentials as a commissioning editor at Ebury, Bonnier and HarperCollins, and was a publishing consultant for digital content specialist Bookwire. She has worked with many best-selling authors, including Hilary Mantel, Nigel Slater, Marie Kondo and Tim Ferriss. She's also commissioned bestsellers such as Body Positive Power by Megan Jane Crabb and Ask Me His Name by L. Wright. And just when it couldn't get any better, when Morwenna and I met at a wonderful International Women's Day celebration in 2018, she went on to become my agent. Hello, Morwenna. And the book's still in development, I'm sorry, but we've we've had a pandemic along the way. Oh, there were some bumps. There's there's something going on. (laughs) Thank you for being with me. Um, My second guest is Samantha Baines, award-winning comedian, finalist in our very own Funny Women Awards, broadcaster, hearing aid wearer, and author of two children's books. And her first book, Harriet Versus the Galaxy, was listed in the independent Best Children's Books of the Year 2019, the Book Trust's Great Book Guide 2020, and won the Coventry Inspiration Book Award 2021. Samantha's second book, The Night the Moon Went Out, was published this summer by Bloomsbury and has already been nominated for the People's Book Prize. Sam's face, which you can't see, may be familiar to you as she's had many acting roles in popular series such as Netflix The Crown, Call the Midwife and Silent Witness. She also hosted Magic Mike Live, directed by Channing Tatum, perhaps a bit more about that later, in London. All this, and she still manages to squeeze in presenting on BBC Radio London, BBC Radio Kent, Virgin Radio, and she hosts her own, very own, award-winning, nominated podcast, The Divorce Social, which I've also made an appearance on. Sam, you're also an ambassador for the Royal National Institute for the Deaf, 
which is amazing. And and you've done a bit of campaigning for them, haven't you? So um, tell us a bit more, because our current Funny Women Stage Award winner, Lara Ricote, is partially deaf as well. So it, it's very popular at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's um, we're, we're allowed to talk about it now, yeah, and people exactly. don't judge us for it. So it's exciting. Yeah, I um, I got my hearing aid when I was thirty. Gosh, and it's quite late, I, isn't it? Yeah, quite late in life, and apparently it takes about ten years to recognize the signs of having hearing loss and then actually do anything about it. So it, I might have been going since I was much younger <laughs> than that. Um, but yeah, I got my hearing aid, and I felt quite sort of different and alone and other mm. and I felt like there was no one else like me and that's when I kind of looked up the RNID and got in touch with them and started working with them and found this amazing community of deaf people and that's why I'm an ambassador for them now and I love getting involved in all their campaigns uh, we did a subtitle it campaign in the cinema and they're really pushing, obviously, subtitles on all streaming platforms. And they just do some really brilliant work. So, yeah. It's amazing. Well, good. I mean, brilliant. And we fully support you, as you know. So let's get started on our have fun at work discussion. Um, and we're talking today about publishing, which we are looking at both sides of the fence. So let's start with the basics. More Wenner. So potted <laughs> explanation. How do you go about getting published? Oof, good question to start off with. Um, one way to get published is to do it yourself and go the self-publishing routes, which is becoming increasingly possible and very popular. And then the other route is to go directly to a publisher and find an editor there. Or you can go the route um, that I'm currently, the path I'm treading and find yourself a literary agent who will then sell your book idea into the publishers on your behalf. Very practical. Sam, what's been your experience? Well, as you know, Lynn, I always do things in a slightly weird, non-conventional <laughs> Join the <way>. club. <laughs> um, so I decided that I wanted to write an adult's book, ah. not porn, but just for adults, <laughs> about, um, about hearing loss when I got my hearing aid because I couldn't find anything out there you know, when I was first diagnosed with hearing loss and got a hearing aid and I went to the library and kind of looked it up and there were just lots of dry academic books. So I thought, right, I'm going to write an adult's book. And I didn't really know much about the book world. So I went to a book event called Behind the Book, Bite the Book, I think it's called. And um, when I was there, I met an amazing duo uh, who had a brand new publishing house called Nights Of. And they did children's fiction. And I said to them, oh, I don't do children's. Like, I won't write children's books. And they were like, well, that, that's fine. We can still have a conversation. <laughs> and then I just got on really well with them. And I loved their ethos. And um, they're all about diversity in children's publishing. And I just kept in touch with them on Twitter. And then one day I... Um, slid into david stevens dms uh, who's uh, half of uh, the founder of knights of one of them and i said should we do a children's book then because <laughs> you know you're funny and i'd like to work with you and and he said what would it be about and i told him about a little girl with a hearing aid and he said okay go and write it and in my naivety i thought well that's a book commission done <laughs> off i go and it was funny because at my book launch, he said, 
Sam, do you know how many people I say to them? <laughs> like, yeah, all right, go and write it. And, um, <laughs> and they and I don't. Was like, oh, I thought I was really special. And you really believed in the idea. And he was like, well, yes, but also I say it to a lot of people. Um, and he said, but not many of them come back and have actually written a book. Oh. So that's what I did. And then so I did it all backwards. And then I got my literary agent from having a, a, a publishing deal from uh. that book. That's really interesting. Um, well, full full confession here. Uh, Morwenna is my literary agent, but she has just told me to just write it. Uh, and I think we'll talk about this a bit later, but that is quite a difficult thing to do when you have lots of different ideas going around your head. And I think the clarity with which you were told to write a kid's book is probably quite a good way forward. Would you agree, Morwenna? Yeah, I think so. I think it really helps to have that direction. And and actually something that I found recently is, is we've been talking to a couple of authors who have come forward with nonfiction proposals and ideas. And then we've kind of talked about it and you know, had discussed kind of potential options of where to take it. And it's ended up being actually fiction would be the best way to bring this story to life so I totally I can I can imagine that conversation of being like yes but also you sometimes the route that's best for you is one that you didn't consider at first and what about do you need a literary agent well Sam's sort of said didn't get her agent until she'd got her book deal mm. she says herself it's back to front but mm. is is it more normal to get a literary agent first because I've always thought that was the key to it I guess that's been kind of the traditional um, the traditional route. But when I commissioned at Penguin, a lot of the authors that I worked with didn't have agents. And again, like Sam, the agents kind of came on board later on. So I think the way that people, the routes into publishing now um, are much more diverse and less traditional than they were kind of 10, 15 mm. years ago. And also, I think it's so hard to get I mean, I know from the acting and comedy world, it's hard to get an agent. But in the mm. literary world, oh my gosh, it's hard to get an agent. So I guess if you can go to an agent and you've already got some publisher interest, even if it's just that they say, yes, that sounds interesting, I will read it if you mm. send it. You know, at least you've got something to try and tempt um, an agent with. And and I actually got my agent on board when there was interest in the deal but then I got the agent to then argue the contract for me because that's yeah. what they're good you know that's yes. what you yeah. need your agent for to get you the good yeah. terms before mm. you sign on the dotted line <laughs> <laughs> well I still have visions of the large you know five six figure advance but you know who who does that happen to these days uh, well, it uh, an interestingly, definitely doesn't happen in children's books I can tell you Lynn <laughs> but interestingly Sam when you were directed towards children's books uh, there's been a parallel with Morwenna asking some of her clients who've like in my case in particular, where we've been talking self-help for two years, suddenly there's an appetite for fiction. And I'm now thinking fiction because that's like opened a window for me because I'm thinking, yeah, actually, that's a great way to write a book because you can say a lot of the things that you want to say through the medium of fiction that sometimes you can't say um, in real life. So I think that direction from either your publisher or your agent is is really important. Would you say, Morwenna? Yeah, I think so. I think it's always good as well um, 
publishing, writing, editing, it can all be quite a lonely process. So whether it's a relationship with your editor or your agent or other authors, I think it's really important to just have that uh, have that potential for batting ideas around because otherwise you can get quite kind of closed off in your own mind and, and overthinking things. So I think it's always good to have that collaborative aspect. I think it's really important as well, though. I mean, no offense, Moana, but um, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the time, lots of people are telling you what they think you should do. Mm. And actually, you're the one who has to write the book. So whilst it's really important to be open to everyone's ideas, you know, I, I've found that sometimes I have to say no, because I can't sustain that over 60,000 yeah. words. <laughs> This is How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. So let's have a chat about the process. Um, Sam, you've already alluded to the fact that sometimes you need to, to just forge ahead with your idea. But um, Morwenna, what about ghostwriters, editors? How, what, what sort of role do they play? How often do you recommend perhaps to somebody that struggles that they might need to go or they can't write? <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, you know, I think there are some people, no celebrities mentioned here, who probably <laughs> don't write their own books. But, you know, no, what is that function? How does that come about? Well, there are lots of ways um, of working with an editor before you even get to the to the publishing stage. So there are some brilliant people out there who are variously called book doctor or manuscript developer who can help you um, with the structure of your book idea or just help you kind of formalise something that you that's in your mind and you just need to kind of get on paper and with clarity. And in terms of ghostwriters, it's as you can probably imagine, much less common in fiction to have a ghostwriter, because as Sam says, you know, the idea, it's really got to come from your heart and your brain and your soul. And that's what's driving it. And you can't imitate that with fiction in the way that with nonfiction, often it's the case that the author will be an expert in their field. They might be a psychologist or a chef or whatever it might be, but they actually just need a bit of handholding in terms of the getting words onto the page and that would be where a ghostwriter or co-writer would come in. Sam what came first did you have the idea for the adult book you mentioned earlier that it was the publishers that suggested the kids book so how did you make that switch? Yes, it wasn't actually the publishers that suggested the idea for the kids book. It was me having met them and then suddenly that being in my psyche of being like, oh, I never (laughs) thought that it could be a kids book, actually. So, yeah, the original idea, because I came from stand-up comedy, the original idea was, well, the easiest route to go from stand-up to book seems like non-fiction Mm. because I can just write, like, my stories down, like, in stand-up. So, for me that I was just set on that idea and then it was actually going to book events and meeting people and talking to people that made Mm. me think oh you know I can talk about hearing loss and do it in lots of different ways and actually the um, children's idea I loved because I thought oh I can do really creative things and write silly jokes and um, you know 
teach children as a little bit about hearing loss and, and deaf awareness as well mm. as making them laugh and doing fart jokes and, and creating <laughs> crazy worlds so that's what appealed to me um so yeah the adults book idea came first and then I suddenly um explored Switch. this whole new world of, of books and then went into the the children's idea but my first book was I came up with the idea and then I went away and wrote it and the first draft of it was all in rhyming couplets. Oh wow! Yeah, I love and that. now, now <laughs> none I love of it a rhyming couplet. Yeah, I love a rhyming couplet. Don't you? Me too. And I'd yeah. written comedy poems before, and I'd self-published a comedy poetry book called Poetry. I remember that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just did that to sell at the end of my like Edinburgh Fringe stand-up shows. Not really as a proper book. And then I put it on Amazon just because I thought, oh, if people come and they don't have cash, then that'll be useful. And I didn't realise that if you self-publish a book and then put it on Amazon, then it can be picked up by other people and it was yeah. picked up by Waterstones and they started selling it in their stores and I had not proof checked it properly or had an editor <laughs> or like anything so it was kind of like amazing and a disaster at the same time so but yeah the first draft of Harriet versus the Galaxy was in rhyming couplets and actually I think that was me being scared that the story wasn't strong enough that it needed this like gimmicks so people would read it and actually now none of it rhymes um <laughs> but that was a process that I worked through with the publisher um whereas my second book was commissioned so a publisher Bloomsbury Education came to me and said we do a series of books called Bloomsbury Readers and they gave me all the information and then they said do you have an idea that might work? And then I sent them a kind of one page idea description and then they commissioned it before I'd written it. So it was, it was the opposite Fabulous. of my first book. Well, two things. I mean, there, there is a tradition at the moment. We, I did poo-poo celebrities writing books, but actually the comedy world is full of brilliant women writers. And, you know, again, lovely Rosie Jones has done a book for kids about disability in in similar way to to your one about deafness um and who's the other well Sarah Pascoe's written fantastic books about mental health and Susan Cowman I mean you know Zoe amazing. Lyons Zoe Lyons oh, yeah. yeah I mean I do think there's a real close association with creative people who do comedy and book writing and I eventually will prove the point as well <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um so let's talk a little bit about advances as well Morwenna because as I said earlier I I have the dream of the big you know six-figure advance but not many people get that um where does that come from and what kind of people do is it mainly celebrities that get advances um, it does tend to happen to people who have a higher profile, whether they're celebrities or a, a kind of inverted commas influencer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of a, it's something that authors often ask. It's one of the first questions and, you know, mm, absolutely naturally do, yeah. so. That's completely understandable. Mm. You know, what am I going to be paid? Um, but unfortunately, it's also a kind of how long is a piece of string question. Um, but from the publishing side of how they all work that out, they base it on um, how many copies they expect to sell and then right. the cost that they, as the publisher, will incur to make sure that it balances out and it's in profit so for instance you're if you're doing a cookbook or a kind of illustrated lifestyle title they cost so much more to put together in terms yeah. of photography and recipe writers and indexes and 
page designers and printing costs as well that that will always reflect and that will that tends to reflect in the advance mm. um but yeah it's it's a and also from even from the agenting side you know you can have an idea of of what you think you might get and it's just you no clue <laughs> <laughs> i think we'd all like to know what marie kondo and joe wicks got by well way, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and you mentioned illustrations and photography i mean Sam, your books have fabulous illustrations. Did you have a hand in choosing those? Yeah, so both of my illustrators, my illustrators are different. So for Harriet versus the Galaxy, it's Jessica Flores, who is a deaf comedian in the US. Um, Fantastic. And I said tonight's of, I'd really, really love a deaf illustrator, if you can possibly find one, please. Um, and they found her and she's amazing. And I think she brought like a whole new view of this space world to her illustrations and the aliens that I came up with which is amazing and then for my second book The Night the Moon Went Out Bloomsbury asked me if I had anyone in mind and I'd met someone called Lucy Rogers on Twitter and she's a deaf illustrator and I just loved her work and she'd mainly done picture books and um, so books were much that. younger children but they were beautiful so I said please can you have a look at her work <laughs> um, and luckily they loved it so yeah she ended up illustrating the night the moon went out but um I would say on advances as well obviously I I only know from my side of things but what I love about children's is you know you do get an advance but it's not a huge huge one but then once you earn out your advance because it's not huge you start earning money from yeah. book sales you know quite early on so I've earned out my Harriet I'm not I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but I'm going to say it anyway <laughs> I've earned out my Harriet versus the galaxy advance so you know I'm now earning money from each book sale of that um, and so that's quite a nice thing because it's I, I have a lot of friends who've done non-fiction and it seems to be that they get their advance and then that's it. They're never really going to earn that advance out and start making money over the top of it. Mm. Um, so it it feels, I don't know, it feels for me that my books have a longevity because in 10 years time, hopefully I'll be making, you know, 50p a year or whatever from Harriet Pest yeah. Galaxy. <laughs> well, you've, be nice. you've, pa- you've paid your dues. It's like royalties in the music industry, isn't it? It's a similar sort of thing. You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. Now, moving on, let's talk about what the market is doing at the moment. So, Morwenna, what are publishers looking for at the moment? What's on the zeitgeist? What should we all be writing? (laughs) Um, Well, on the the nonfiction side of things, uh, cookery and kind of health and, and lifestyle, but I think people are getting a bit a bit tired of the lose weight in 10 days here's your quick fix plan and and people want something that's actually a long-term solution and it's actually much more about health rather than just weight loss um so I think that and that always comes around in in January that's a big time for those kind of books and in fiction I feel like at the moment it's quite um in adult fiction it's quite split between 
something like Richard Osman's book, which is wonderful kind of cosy crime, as it's as it's so called. And then you've got the psychological thrillers, which, you know, I can't even remember when um, Girl on the Train came out and kind of really oh, made a yeah. mark in the market um, as, as one of those books. And it's still going strong. Something like Girl A is just selling so well. So if there's a big plot twist element that will always, always hook on, that will always kind of, yeah, an editor will always hook on to that. Um, And I think it's always worth remembering that the editor will be looking at the writing and the characters and how that develops in the story and the narrative arc. But they will then be pitching it in to a sales director and a marketing director and a publicity director who may or may not have actually read the material before they then make a decision as a team on whether to publish that book. So anything, any hooks are just always, yeah, always worth pulling out. Sam, you're a bit of a one-woman marketing machine in your own right, which um, I think your story of how you got the books done as well really does actually exemplify that. So um, how does it feel to be a published author? Is that a great feeling? It's funny because I speak to lots of unpublished authors and they always ask me that. They're like, oh, yeah. that's all I dream, you know, that's what I dream of doing. And then, and it does feel amazing in the moment, but then you're just worried about the next book. And <laughs> I remember thinking, oh God, I'm just going to be a one book wonder and that's going to be <laughs> it. And no one else is ever going to want to make a book with me. And then um, I feel like the second book coming out, The Night the Moon Went Out, felt more, I don't know, I sort of, in in the true sort of me way I felt like I forced nights off to publish my book because I knew them and I you know met them on Twitter and then like we worked together and and obviously you can't really do that you can't force someone to spend money and publish a book but I sort of felt like oh maybe that's just a fluke and someone's going to realize and then be like you're not really an author so weirdly for me having the second book out felt more momentous because now I feel like I can call myself an author because I've got two um I don't know why but yeah so now I feel like an author and now that feels very lovely and it feels quite proper because yes when you yes, tell people lovely. you're an actor they sort of roll their eyes and go oh, <laughs> what's your real job or what have you been in um and then if you tell people you're a comedian they're like tell us a joke um, <laughs> yeah yeah you know prove to me that you are if you tell people you're an author they sort of go all oh, right you know, and, and there's this respect. So I'm enjoying the respect, I have to say. <laughs> I've, I've noticed in the business sector, you know, workplace, so many people are suddenly authors, but a lot of them are self-published. And I've always had this big argument with myself that if I'm going to do a self-help book or a business book, I really want to have a publisher, uh, which is how I started my discussions with Morwenna, but what is the value of the self-published book, Morwenna? Is it is it still as valid, or are people just cashing in? I'm going to well, get I'm going to get so told off for saying this, but I think it's no, quite it's, important. It, it's absolutely valid, um, and it's a wonderful way to bypass what can be quite a closed off and opaque world. As you know, it's a creative industry, and it, it comes with all that baggage. Um, I think the thing to bear in mind with 
being self-published is that you've got to then think about all the distribution side of things. So I think people can often get really excited about, oh, my book's going to be out there. But then you have to think about, okay, so someone actually presses buy on Amazon. <laughs> How do I actually make sure that that book then gets to that person in the time mm-hmm. that it needs to, etc.? cetera. Um, but it also often happens that uh, someone will self-publish and then the book will do really well just through word of mouth. And then a publisher or an agent will kind of pick up on that and, and, and want to work with people off the back of that. So it's always a, a route worth considering. That's kind of what happened with your first book venture, Sam, isn't it, really? Yeah, I guess... I guess I would only self-publish a book if you have the ready audience there. Mm, you know, I yeah. I did my poetry one to sell at the end of my comedy shows because mm. I was doing silly poems as part of the show. So it kind of made sense that I, you know, had that outlet and that audience there. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> so I definitely say, because I think when you think about publishing a book, you think, oh, I've just got to write it and get someone to do a book cover. And then yeah. that, and then that's it. And it's now I've been on the other side of things. There are so many people that go into oh. making a book and go yeah. into making your book better and you get your name all over it. And they've, you know, slogged away trying to help you change the structure so it all makes sense <laughs> and you know add little bits in that make the story um kind of more fruitful and and juicy mm. and I think you know if it's it's really hard and it can feel like a closed gated kind of industry and it is hard to get that foot in so I do totally understand that but I think if you can any way possible get your book published properly it I will make so. it a better yeah. book um, yeah. and I think the best way to do that is like going to there are loads of free book events like just go to a Q&A yeah. with an author and their agent or an author and a publisher or whoever and just ask questions and meet people and follow everyone on Twitter and there's loads of like book groups on Facebook and things like that and just gather as much information as possible and I can say that because I didn't do that with my first <laughs> book and like I just think information is so key and it, mm, and then yeah. it will help you kind of try and get a foothold in that world but yeah. I do you know I do know that I'm coming from a position of privilege because I you know been on the telly a bit before maybe people were more likely to read you know my book. I think though it's interesting because I think there's more cynicism about books if you are, as I started saying, you know, if you're a bit of a celebrity or got a bit of TV appearance, people have a different expectation of you. And maybe you aren't a natural writer, you know, and there's, if there's a book in you, you will find a way to do it. And, you know, there are a lot of people who do public speaking circuit, for example, on the self-help subjects. Mm. And like your gig giveaway, they will create a book and publish it themselves and they sell those books at their equivalent gigs and they do quite well you know um it's all part of your package it's part of your persona isn't it really that's the thing yeah and then if you feel like you have more books in you I think it's great I would always if you're self-publishing a book I would always have other ideas in your back pocket because then Mm. if it does get popular and you get approached by someone like Moena or or a publisher you can say I have all these other ideas that we can make together let's go instead of (laughs) I've I've used up all of my creative flow (laughs) on this one book and that's it 
To round up the conversation on publishing, um, Morwenna, what should we be looking out for? Who are your sort of favourite hot tip authors and writers of the moment? Oh, good question. Um, What what are you reading? I've been really enjoying um, Leanne Moriarty's latest book, Apples Never Fall. Um, But I'm a bit of a a, a bit of a kind of a, a random reader I guess I tend to read what's whatever my mood's based on um and I'm one of those strange people who really just I love a I mean not strange but I guess I, I love a Scandinoir I find them um I guess strange because I find them quite comforting <laughs> because I always think you know if you've had a bad day or you're stressed out about something or your anxiety's off the charts I always think at least I haven't killed someone and forgotten about it and they're like buried under six feet of snow so it's actually not all that <laughs> so if, if I'm ever in a bit of a yeah having a bit of a tough time I'll always reach for a, a Scandinoir like Jörn Nesbo uh, also known as Joe Nesbo the only reason I pronounce that as a Ponzi Norwegian is because my family are from Norway. Ah. <laughs> so I know, I, I know to say, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, they're good tips. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Um, well, I read a lot of children's books because <laughs> yeah. I write them, which are also amazing because you finish them so quickly. So you feel really accomplished because <laughs> people are like, oh, I've hardly read any books this year. And I'm like, I've read 20 because they're not very long. <laughs> I must um, try that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Top tip. Um, but I am enjoying, I'm working my way through Juno Dawson's books. So most of those are YA um, books. And uh kieran millwood hargrave love all of her books um and then there's a pinch of magic um series by michelle harrison i think it is um and i'm really loving all of those and there's a new one coming out soon so but i love like slightly magical like or slightly weird something happening um that type that'd be the comedy genes i think (laughs) It was like saying a bit weird. Now, listen, uh, I always ask my guests to talk a bit about fun in the workplace. Now, nobody has had more fun than you, Sam, because I seem to recall you got flown out to meet Channing Tatum. And I I happened to mention this to some friends recently that you'd done that. And they were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So was that as much fun as it sounds? <laughs> well, it probably, well, sort of, yes. I mean, the flying out bit. I got flown to Vegas to That's watch Magic Mike Live in Vegas. And then we set. went, yeah. And then we went to LA and I worked with Channing Tatum on the script and in um, early rehearsals for the London version of the show. So, yeah, that was pretty fun. I mean, doing the show day to day looked pretty probably more fun than it was just because I was tired yeah (laughs) Yeah. six days a week 10 shows a week for a year and a half I was very tired by the end but you know I was dancing with 15 professional dancers that were usually topless so it looked very nice on Instagram and it was very nice but (laughs) yeah by the end I was like I don't want to see an ab ever again (laughs) (laughs) so so do you have fun at work Yeah. Well, I have had fun at work. Yeah. Sometimes you always have to be serious, though. And it is quite funny being serious in a sort of very jovial surroundings of like screaming, 350 screaming women. and I'm doing a dance routine. Um, And then you have to be like, 
oh, guys, my prop wasn't there. Can we make sure it's there for the next show? Or, you know, something like that. It's quite, it's I'm quite intrigued funny. to know what the prop was, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> Just like a phone for a comedy oh, bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nothing more exciting. <laughs> Morwenna, how do you have fun at work? Um, obviously, well, yeah, colleagues are always a huge, a huge part of the fun. Um, we always have the radio one in the office. I think I find kind of silent offices quite intimidating I, I did work experience at one of the big publishers and was just absolutely terrified because someone <gasps> sneezed and no one said bless you and I was like oh no oh. <laughs> what's going on so oh. yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the noise and, and the music um, but I, I think I unfortunately slightly missed the uh, the truly golden years of publishing where apparently just every time a book was published they would wheel out the champagne trolley <laughs> oh wow <laughs> which definitely no longer happens yeah I used to work in the world of magazines when, a very long time ago I can remember the really hushed offices I think you know the sort of the portals of Vogue were very quiet yeah. I didn't work at Vogue but I worked at a very posh magazine called Harper's and Queen and there was a sort of genteel hush in the office until the fashion department were all in on the same day and then the champagne would come out <laughs> and I'd be sent off to walk the dogs because I was the lowest of the low. But anyway, that's another story. Mind <laughs> up in my book, that bit. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> I like a quiet office. Well, I have hearing uh, loss, so loud offices are so hard for me to yeah. work in. Yeah, awful but white noise, yeah. I love yeah. to, like, work hard, play hard kind of vibe. So, like, work in silence and do a load of work and then have a lovely time chatting and finding out what's going on with everyone else. Mm. Um, I sort of do it that way. But I, I don't think I'd get any work done if the radio was on and also if there was a champagne trolley. I'd just <laughs> never do anything. <laughs> oh, there's a wonderful um, uh, TV programme on Netflix called The Bold Type. I don't know if either of you have yes, ever seen that. I and love uh, that show. about a magazine. And it's sort of a very heightened version of my earlier career. But they, they always seem to have these very glitzy offices and lots of drink and champagne and things hidden away in the fashion cupboard but i'd recommended viewing listeners it's great if you're into it's that so whole, whole world of publishing um sadly we have to come to an end and uh, i would just like you to tell us where we can find you more when where can people find you um absolutely i'm uh, probably easiest on instagram um which is mo loman so m-o-l-o-u-g-h-m-a-n um at whatever the Instagram handle is these days. And uh, also on the Bev James management website, which is uh, www.bevjames.com. And I also wanted to shout out, Sam mentioned them earlier, but Bite the Book, uh, B-Y-T-E, uh, the book, are just a wonderful group of people and a wonderful resource for exactly as Sam said, kind of networking events and meeting other authors and other writers, publishers. Um, they're a wonderful bunch. I think I should sign up for that. I think that sounds like something I should go to. And Sam, on your many platforms, where can we find you? <laughs> so I am on all the social media platforms, but Twitter and Instagram mainly at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. And I have a website, SamanthaBaines.com. And my two books are Harriet versus the Galaxy and The Night the Moon Went Out. And they are available at all good 
bookshops and if you can buy them from an independent bookshop like Round Table Books in Brixton then that's even better. I think there is a website for independent booksellers as well isn't there but I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Bookshop.org. Oh there we go. So I think that's a really good tip and I totally embrace that as well. Um, Thank you both so much. What an interesting discussion uh, that was. Thank you very much for being my guests. Um, Hopefully see you soon and more when with my first draft in hand. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Chicken, 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 chicken.